Good evening and welcome. It's good to see you back tonight. Thank you for coming back. We appreciate so much your willingness to be here. We've got a good number here tonight, and for that we are very grateful. Tonight we're going to be looking at 2 Peter chapter 1, as well as chapter 3, verse 18, the passage read a moment ago. And then we're going to also add 1 Peter chapter 2 at verse 2, and so we'll be calling attention to those verses in just a moment or two. I do want to say thank you if you're visiting. As always, we invite you to come back. It is, well, it is an honor for us to have you with us. And the fact that you would be willing to come and to worship with us, we want you to know how much we appreciate that. And we hope that what is said will benefit you and that you will find your time here beneficial to your spiritual life. Tonight, as I said a minute ago, we're going to be looking at the book of 1 Peter as well as 2 Peter, and the topic that we want to talk about tonight, spiritual growth. And so as we begin our study tonight, we have just begun a new year, 2023, as hard as it may be to let that sink in, to know that we're in a new year. And so it seems like as you get older in life, the years go faster and faster, don't they? So as we think about this new year, I want you to just reflect back over the past year, 2022. Go back to January 1, 2022, and then come forward to January 1, 2023, and ask yourself this question. Have I grown spiritually over the last year? Have I grown as a child of God, as a Christian? I think that the goal, obviously, based upon what the Bible teaches, is that we ought to want to grow, that that ought to be something that is at the forefront of our mind. And there are a lot of things that are in place that will enable us to grow spiritually. Now, granted, some of that takes place individually, and then there collectively opportunities for growth, times like this, Bible study, etc. Those are opportunities that afford us the privilege of sitting down and thinking about spiritual things and growing spiritually. So tonight what I want to do is talk a little bit about spiritual growth. And as we talk about this subject and to understand that spiritual growth is an imperative, it's not optional, but rather, the Lord wants us to grow. So I want to begin by, first of all, talking about the desire to grow spiritually. Now, we might ask this question. When should we begin desiring to grow as a Christian? Well, let me call your attention to 1 Peter chapter 2 at verse 2. Peter there said, as a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Peter here simply saying that as a new convert in Christ, we might use the word of the terminology of the Apostle Paul. He said that those who are young in the faith, they are novices. Nothing wrong with being that. We all have a starting point, don't we? And the goal is to begin as a babe and then to mature and grow to be what God would have us to be in His kingdom. I think that there are some things that will help us grow spiritually. 
We talk about the desire to grow. Let me just give you a couple of thoughts along these lines. Number one, if you're going to grow spiritually, it has to be a priority. It's got to be something that you prioritize into your schedule on a regular basis. Now, I know that when the new year rolls around, a lot of folks have what they call New Year's resolutions. Nothing wrong with that. Many times at the gym, what you'll see is a surge in membership. January, February, people are coming and going. But then once you get to March, April, May, June, and so on, what happens? People go by the wayside, don't they? But it's got to be a priority. If you want to be in shape, it's got to be a priority. By the same token, if you want to be in shape spiritually, it has to be a priority. I think about the words of Jesus in Matthew 6 when He said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then secondly, not only must it be a priority, but you need to plan to grow spiritually. In other words, you've got to somehow determine a schedule, a plan that will enable you to grow in your spiritual life. Now, there are a lot of folks that spend a lot of time reading from the Scriptures on a daily basis, and nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, I appreciate everyone who will spend time reading a chapter, two chapters, three chapters, some read through the Bible in a year. But if you want to grow spiritually, and you want to know what God's Word says, you're going to have to put more time in than just reading a chapter or two a day. You will never grow spiritually like you ought to if you don't develop a plan. Now you could go back and look at the Old Testament and spend time talking about the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. You could look at the Psalms or the Proverbs. Spend some time with the prophets in the New Testament, you might rope off some time and look at the gospel narratives or the prison epistles. But the point is, you have a plan. And so you're going to prioritize your life so that that plan is operative on a daily basis. There's a third thing that I think is important, and that is passion. You know, typically we do what we like to do. And I think that's true in just about every walk of life. The more you study, the more you spend time reading and studying God's Word, I can tell you this, the more you'll grow to love it. You remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 119? Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. The psalmist in Psalm 1-2 said that he meditated upon that law day and night. Why do you think he did that? I think because he loved it. Because he understood it was food to his soul. And wasn't it Jesus who said in Matthew chapter 4, quoting Moses in the book of Deuteronomy, when he said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so what I want to encourage you to do is make sure that you are trying to the best of your ability to grow spiritually. Now, there's one other thing I would share. And that is persistence. You're not going to grow spiritually overnight. Doesn't happen that doesn't happen that way, does it? Remember many years ago when I was in college, 
my home congregation was, well, it was a large church. And so I'm in school learning to preach, and you talk about a novice. And I remember they asked me to teach the auditorium Bible class on a Wednesday night. I must have had 10 pages of notes. I never will forget, we had, we had our class first, and then the devotional would be at the latter part of the service. And so our classes ran from 7.30 to 8.15. That was back when we began later. And so by, I don't know, 5 till 8, 8 o'clock, I'm done. I've run out of notes. I've run out of things to say. Now, bear in mind, this is the auditorium class. So at 8 o'clock, I'm out walking the halls. And I thought, man, what a terrible job. So the next day, my grandmother called, or I called her, and I told her what, a, what an awful job I'd done. And I remember she said to me, she said, Honey, Rome wasn't built in a day. Well, you know, it takes persistence, doesn't it? The more you study, the more you read, the more you meditate, the more you grow. But it is a persistent endeavor. It's not something that occurs overnight. It doesn't happen in a year, two years, five years. It takes a lot of time to grow spiritually. So you think about where you are in your faith, spiritually speaking. Ask yourself this, where do I want to be a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, or even five? You can become a great student of God's Word if you want to. And that's the condition, if you want to. We can do anything we want, I believe. So, number one, it has to be desire. Number two, there is what I would call a demand for spiritual growth. First, there's the desire for spiritual growth, but then secondly, the demand. Passage Eric read a moment ago, 2 Peter chapter 3, at verse 18. Peter said, but grow in grace and knowledge. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So again, going back to this idea, spiritual growth, it's not optional. It's not something that, well, maybe we will, maybe we won't. From God's vantage point, God wants us to grow spiritually. And there are advantages to that. Now somebody might say, well, why is it so necessary for me to grow spiritually? You remember over in Hebrews chapter 5, the writer chided some of the Hebrew Christians in the first century. Because they had reached a point in their spiritual sojourn wherein they should have been able to sit down and talk to people about the faith. But he said, you have need that someone teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. In other words, what he was saying is, you folks need to go back to kindergarten. You need to go back and learn what we might call the ABCs of Christianity, just the fundamentals of the faith. And so there's a comparison or a, or a contrast there between someone who has matured in the faith and someone who has not matured in the faith. They're still on milk. And so the byproduct of growing spiritually, we think about this demand. One of the reasons, I believe, in Hebrews chapter 5 at verse 14, 
the writer said that we exercise our senses. Now, Paul talked about spiritual growth and exercising our spiritual lives. You remember in 1 Timothy chapter 4? But he said we exercise our senses to discern both good and evil. The more you know about God's Word, the better off you're going to be spiritually speaking. Well, why is that? Well, to understand that the devil's lurking. And what the devil wants to do is impede our spiritual growth and progress in Christ. The devil doesn't want us to grow spiritually. He doesn't want us to develop a spiritual mindset. Do you remember when Paul wrote to the church at Philippi? And he said, our citizenship, our commonwealth is in heaven. That's a spiritual mindset, isn't it? Or when Paul would say to the church at Colossae, set your affection, set your mind on things above, not on things which are upon this earth. Again, you have a spiritual mindset. So there is this demand to grow. We are not doing ourselves any favors if we do not grow spiritually. Now, the elders here, they have set aside certain times for us to come together to enjoy a period of Bible study and worship, and we need to do that. But you're not going to grow like you should if you don't spend time outside your Bible class and outside the worship service studying and meditating on the truth of God. It's just a fact. You will never reach that point of spiritual maturity if you're not willing to invest time outside our collective services, corporate services. So there is a demand. But then there is a third thing, and that is the development of spiritual growth. Now in 2 Peter chapter 1, you remember Peter talks about how God has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. So when we obey the gospel, the goal is to leave the world behind and to grow spiritually, right? To strive to the best of our ability to grow closer to Almighty God. So in 2 Peter chapter 1, what Peter does is lays down, what he does is, he goes back and lays down some building blocks so that we might grow spiritually. Now you remember he said that God has given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises. All right, having said that, let's look at verse 5 now. In verse 5, here's what Peter said in the long ago. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, and the word diligence here means earnestness, to strive after. And what he's saying is, we're trying, the goal is to grow our faith. Now he begins with that foundational, that foundational truth, faith. Giving all diligence, add to your faith. How important is faith in the grand scheme of things? Well, you know, the Hebrew writer said, without faith, it's impossible to be well-pleasing to God. We've got to develop a strong faith in whom? In God, in Christ, in the Holy Spirit. And the goal is to develop a rock-solid faith. 
Could I ask you a question tonight? Would you say that you have a rock-solid faith? That your faith is unshakable? If you do, it's not by accident. But rather, it is the result of a lot of effort on your part. And that's what Peter is saying here. You're going to diligently add to your faith certain Christian graces that are to adorn your life. So he adds to faith another term, virtue. The word virtue and this characteristic is sorely needed in the world in which we live today. And the idea is that we have the courage, the moral fortitude to do what's right. Now you remember what the Hebrew writer said, that spiritual growth results in being able to discern between good and evil? So we live in a world, it is a downstream world, and we're Christians. And we're fighting our way upstream, aren't we? And so in this day and time, when people have compromised truth, in many, in many cases, society as a whole has abandoned the idea of absolute truth. So does it take moral courage to stand up and say, okay, this is what I believe. Here's why I believe it, because it's right. You remember what Hosea said in Hosea chapter 14 and about verse 9? He said, the ways of the Lord are right. God's ways are right. So when we're talking, whether it be at the office, at school, whether we're out on the ball, wherever, when we're talking to people and certain moral subjects come up and sometimes people have sadly compromised those truths, does it not take courage to say, well, you know what, I believe the Bible says this. It takes a lot of courage, doesn't it? And so Paul, or rather Peter said, what you need to do is diligently seek after faith and add to your faith virtue. And then to virtue, knowledge. That quest for knowledge. I've said before, and I really believe it to be the case, the more I think I know, the less I know. You ever thought about that? The more I think I know, the less I know. When I open this book and I begin to read the contents of Scripture, there are some things that are absolutely perplexing to me. Questions that come up. I had a fellow call me, an elder called me this past week and asked me a question from the Old Testament. said, I just want to know what you think. Well, you know, there are a lot of things that cause us to reflect deeply upon the Word of God. It is a lifelong quest to grow in knowledge, isn't it? Didn't Peter say to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And then he adds to knowledge what? Self-control. Do we need self-control in the world in which we live? Now, I'm going to say something, and I know that probably somebody's not going to be happy. But let, let's just, and now somebody say, well, you're just a thin guy, you can say that. But you know, Sometimes we need to exercise self-control when we eat, don't we? 
You know, the body is the temple of God, isn't it? And I've said before, there's some folks, they're adding on to the temple. Well, you know, food's a wonderful thing. But self-control, that's true in a lot of areas of life. Is it easy? No. Especially when you love food. When you enjoy a good dish of food. And so, again, to exercise self-control. That's just one example. In the moral realm, it takes a lot of self-control to not get caught up in the world. Now listen to what Peter said. He said, I want you to add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance. Do you need a persevering spirit as you run the Christian race? You run the Christian race from day to day? Sure you do. Didn't the Hebrew writer talk about running with patience or endurance the race that's set before us? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. It takes a lot of heart to run the Christian race and to finish it. And there are times when you feel like throwing up the white flag, don't you? There are times when maybe you feel like giving in or giving up. And yet we can't afford to do that. When the problems of life are beating down upon you and when you are wilting under the burdens of this day and time, you've got to have a persevering spirit. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 5? Tribulation does what? Tribulation leads to perseverance. Perseverance to character, to character hope. And so, it'll help us. And then listen to what he says. Then to add to perseverance, godliness. Respect for God, reverence for God, for spiritual things. It's needed in this day and time, isn't it? You know, somebody said one time, if we take care of our Bible, our Bible will take care of us. Well, that begins with reverencing spiritual things, placing a premium on spiritual things. And then he said, you add to that brotherly kindness, that is, brotherly love. The Hebrew writer would say, let love of the brethren continue. John talks about how we ought to love one another. And again, that's not an option. It's a mandate. And then finally, add to that agape love. That is, that self-sacrificing love. The kind of love that Jesus demonstrated when He went to the cross on our behalf. So, these are some building blocks that will help us in the Christian life. Now, listen to what Peter said. If we... If we take it upon ourselves to incorporate these Christian graces into, into our life, here's what he says. Look at, verse, look at verse 8. If these things are yours and be in you, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What God wants from us 
is to bring forth fruit in our daily life. For example, in John chapter 15, Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So what we're trying to do is grow in Christ and to live a life that is productive in Christ so that people can see Christ living in us. Look at verse 10 very quickly. He said, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent. Be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you why some people stumble and fall as children of God. Because they don't grow. And so what Peter is saying is, we have to take dead-eye aim on spiritual growth. It's got to be something that we yearn for, that we are doing our best to grow in Christ. And you think about what's, what's the hope of every child of God? It's go to heaven, isn't it? And Peter is saying, look, when you take these Christian graces and apply them to your life, these things are going to help you flourish to become fruitful in Christ, to live the kind of life that ultimately will lead to everlasting life. Now, let me just very quickly share with you what I would call a deterrent or a danger to spiritual growth. Now, note with me, if you would, what Peter says. Back up and look at verse 9. Peter said, He who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness. In other words, here's somebody that doesn't have the ability to see at a far distance. But rather, their vision is obstructed. They can only see what's up close. And Peter said, they're short-sighted, even to blindness. Spiritual blindness is a real danger, isn't it? When we become spiritually blind, here's what happens. Rather than viewing life through the lens of Scripture, that is, rather than looking at life from the vantage point of that which is eternal, we measure life by what we call the here and now what we see around us. Remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? When he said, We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen, he said, are temporal. The things which are not seen are, listen to him, are eternal. And then you make the transition into chapter 5 verse 1. And he said, if this earthly house, this tent or tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands. Now, what he's saying there is, as a child of God, we have confidence. Why? Because we have placed an important, we have placed importance on spiritual things, on spiritual values, on spiritual truths. There are three things that 
can ultimately undermine our Christianity or become a deterrent to spiritual growth. Number one, the wrong kind of people. Number two, the wrong kinds of places. And number three, the wrong kinds of practices. Now just think about that for a minute. If you associate with the wrong kind of people, what's going to happen? Remember what Paul said? Be not deceived, God's not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. Yes. All right? But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we talk about that law of sowing and reaping. Let's just say that we spend a lot of time with the wrong kind of people. And rather than influencing them, they influence us. And Paul said, evil companionship corrupts good morals. That's true. It's always been true. So you have the wrong kind of people, the wrong kind of places. There are some places as a Christian I have no business going. I have no business going down to the casino. They may offer a great buffet. I can get a buffet here. I don't have to go to Tunica. You frequent the wrong kinds of places, it can mess you up. And then the wrong kinds of practices. The Lord wants us to enjoy life, I believe. And I think that the Lord wants us to enjoy people and places and things. But we've got to make sure that our practices are wholesome in nature. And I can enjoy talking to somebody without drinking socially. I can enjoy talking to somebody, drinking a glass of tea, a cup of coffee, or whatever. But the point is, my goal is to grow as a child of God. So I want to close tonight and ask you this question. Would you resolve with me, starting today, would you resolve to do your dead level best to grow over the next year? So that the Lord willing, a year from now, you can look back and you can say, you know, it's amazing the things that I've learned. It's amazing how much stronger I am in the faith. It's going to take a lot of resolve. But the key is, we can do it. If we want to. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, I encourage you to come to Christ. To put your faith and trust in Him as the Son of God. I think about the Apostle Peter on Pentecost Day when he preached the gospel for the very first time in all of its fullness. You remember when those people cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, number one, you need to repent. And number two, you need to be baptized. Well, why? So that all your sins can be washed away, forgiven, Acts 2.38. And then God will put you in the church and you can begin your spiritual journey with Christ. If you're here tonight, maybe your life's not what it ought to be. Maybe you haven't grown as a Christian. Maybe the world has been tugging and you've been pulled back into the world.
And you've resolved tonight, you know what, I'm coming back out of the world. I'm not going to live in the world any longer. If we could help you by praying for you and with you, we would be more than happy to do that as we stand and sing.